Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Side, a podcast about black science fiction and fantasy and honestly staying on the same page in our marriage. I am one of the co-hosts, Amber Wallen, and meet my darling husband, Ben, and last name, Wallen. We have the same last name, yes. That's Benjamin Wallen. And today on episode one, we're going to be comparing Octavia Butler's 1973 classic book, Kindred, to... I actually think it was published in 79, maybe. Okay, well, can you look that up right now while I... Oh. Damn, can I do the damn welcome? Yeah. Octavia Butler's classic hit, Kindred, written in the 70s, versus... 2020's Antebellum, starring the fabulous, oh, the buttercream skin, Janelle Murnay. I am so excited to discuss this because it's so fresh, right? Like we just rented it the other night. So I'm super pumped. Uh, 1979. Thank you, um, white male, mm, for your opinion. That's me. So, you know, the reason that we're doing this podcast is because you're always sighing at my science fiction fantasy obsession. Can you just go into where that deep sigh stems from? Well, honestly, I I think that a lot of, you know, this the genre of science fiction is such a boys club. It it has been and so like right away I was sort of turned off by the the characters written and I knew that at the time like those voices weren't written for me. Like, that's how I felt. I definitely know that, like, LeVar Burton and um, Whoopi Goldberg were on Star Trek. But it it wasn't a big enough pull for me if if this wasn't ultimately, like, Black stories, mm-hmm. rich with Black writers, Black producers, Black characters. So, I, know, I just didn't get into science fiction. Yeah, I, it just reminds me of that time I tried to have you watch Lord of the Rings. Oh, kill me now. The thing about it is I don't have to consume that content currently, you know, so because there are now so many new writers and creators that are telling these stories that have been repressed for so long. So I'm kind of just like, if I never have to watch the white man's story again, I'm here for that. Absolutely. But you're, I guess you're trying to bring me over to the dark side. Yes. Space that dark, like deep space. Deep space nine is the best Star Trek ever. Nine Inch Nails. That's it? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great segue, though, because, uh, you know, I remember you saying that, and then I recommended to you the mother of science fiction and uh, Kindred. She's so, a black woman. She's a black woman. I mean, woman. my my eyebrows definitely arched, you know, furrowed when you said that because I was like, "Oh, the mother of science fiction. She's she's one of us." Yeah, so no, I gave it a chance. We'll we'll yeah. kick off, you know, discussing uh, Kindred, uh, and I think part of the reason we're going to discuss Kindred is because when I first saw the trailer for Andy Bellum, I immediately assumed that it was based off of Kindred. And found out yeah, same. rather quickly, right, that it was not. Um, but just as a warning, there will be spoilers. Oh, so many spoilers for Antebellum. So just, like, pause now, go see it, pay the little $20 USD, and then press play again. Yeah, and then there will also be uh, lots of spoilers for Kindred. So you can pause and go buy Kindred at your local bookstore. Oh, ASAP. I, I 
don't even think you have to give a spoiler alert if it's been out for decades. Am I crazy to think that? I mean, I, I don't know. Okay, well. Maybe. I'm just trying to be as respectful as possible. Respect. It is about respect. So, yeah, I'll, I'll start with a short summary. Uh, Dana uh, from Kindred is a black writer in the 70s, and she's pulled back into the antebellum South when she is celebrating her birthday with her white husband, Kevin. She's in her mid-20s. Uh, Kevin. You know, Kevin, white husbands. Um, anyway, uh, she, she's called back in time to save her white slave-owning ancestor, Rufus. And she is then propelled forward in her time of the 1970s when her life is endangered. And this story is this is a cycle of this being pulled back and forth. And um, it follows Rufus as a young boy into his adulthood and sort of his trajectory, but also Dana's trajectory of seeing these slavery accounts firsthand. And I, let's just start with, like, what was your first reaction, Amber, to, to reading this? I mean, I think every black person's nightmare is, you know, going to sleep modern day and waking up and you're, you know, pulled back into slavery. And I think that that is definitely a nightmare I've had before. And it's so interesting because Octavia Butler, like her writing style is just so almost like gritty to me. Like when I was reading Kindred for the first time, I... I would start reading and I would start sweating because she was so descriptive. I, I feel like when it comes to black pain, everybody likes to do black pain, right? Like we love a black pain aesthetic, but Octavia Butler, it, it was, it transcended black pain. Like she took anybody who was reading this book there, like every time, every uh, character and slave and person that, like everybody had a name and you felt every bruise, scrape, cut and, and your mouth would salivate and, and you would cry and you would sweat. And it was just so visceral. I, I cannot explain enough how well written that book was. I, it, it left me shook. I was scared. And honestly, you know, you know, a great piece of black art written by a black author makes you, you know, Look at your your white friends and in my case white husband away. Like I think I think when a, a book or a movie does a good job, I leave the theater and I don't want to talk to you. And and you know that's happened a couple of times. Yeah, I remember that one time we saw Black Klansmen and there were some like high schoolers and they were saying some really inappropriate things and you almost threw a bucket of popcorn at them. I and, almost threw my whole bucket like, of popcorn on we, a 16 year old boy's head and, and you had to grab me. You were like, don't do it. Yeah. I mean, and there's a, there's actually uh, a lot of this that happens in the book where, where I think Kevin, um, who's like a, he's the husband of Dana who's being pulled back. Yeah, and he's like the white partner. He, he's the white partner. And um, I mean, he's, he's okay, but he, there are moments where he just doesn't get it. He's and just aloof. He is aloof. And there's a, when they travel back in time for the first time, Kevin sort of longingly says at one point, 
I wish we could have, you know, gone out West or been to a different time. And Dana looks at him and it's like, the fuck? No, like the Native Americans are experiencing the same thing out there. Yeah. So he he wishes longingly. And I, I actually find myself doing that at times because I'm a huge time travel fan, right? Like and I, I hate time travel. Yeah. And it, I love Doctor Who and you hate it because... I I can't enjoy time travel as a black person. I don't I don't have that luxury because to enjoy time travel, like think about traveling to any time period going back for a black person is just Jim Crow South, civil rights. Like, you know, we love a period piece, right? Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed when we watched um Catherine the Great on Hulu. And so to to watch a period piece as a black person means one of two things. One, you're going to see uh, a slave narrative or two, you're going to see a revisionist history of it. You know, you got your Hamiltons, even Catherine the Great. Uh, there were black characters in the court, which, you know, was not a thing. It's like black people are in Russia and, and they're holding like seats in parliament. But I, I don't know. I want to enjoy time travel. I guess the only time travel I can enjoy is Afrofuturism. Yeah. Like, that's that's sadly how I feel so it's like even when it comes to like going out west or west world it's like can I enjoy this knowing like the truth I don't know yeah I think so go 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 ahead and tell me why you loved time travel so much well because of I think you know my skin my pigment allows me to love time travel in a lot of ways um yeah and I I also because at one point, Dana, in, in the story, she thinks that because she's coming from the 1970s, that she'd be able to deal with slavery. And uh, there is at points where she packs a bag and brings medicine and brings other supplies. And even despite all that, she is unable to deal with a lot of the horrors of, oh, of course. slavery. Right. And, and there's a moment where she comes forward to her own time or her cousin sees her and uh, her cousin um, assumes that her husband, Kevin has been hitting her. Uh, I don't know if you remember this part, but Dana is beaten um, at one point uh, and she comes forward in time and she has all her bruises from the master of the plantation who beat her. Mm-hmm. And there's a point where her cousin looks at her and says, I never thought you'd be fool enough to let a man beat you. And, uh, mm, her cousin, some victim blaming. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Because she allowed herself to be beaten by the slave master, you know, in the antebellum South. And there's a moment where Dana says, you know, I never thought I would either allow someone to beat me. And so this idea that even, um, allow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like she, in her mind, she thinks that she has allowed, the the slave master to beat her. Wow. And which is why Octavia Butler is is that I don't even want to say she I I probably stopped the book at that point and thought like wow like this strong black woman writer even so felt in her mind that she allowed a slave owner to beat her based on her words and actions. Yeah, it it, it's so stunning to watch, you know, Dana's transfer, transformation. Uh, and even 
Uh, something that I also found really fascinating, and I, I'd want to hear more what you'd have to say about this. At one point, her husband is held back mm-hmm. in time and for five years, which is longer than any amount that uh, Dana is ever held back. Yes, that was so strange that she was able to take him with her. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like she originally took him back in time to basically protect her, right? Because it's like, you're white, come with mm-hmm. me. You know, it's yeah. like, if, if my ass had to get jumped back in time... I would bring your yeah. ass too and be like, yo, can you just, yeah. and, and Kevin, the G-code, make sure I don't die. Right. Mm-hmm. Sadly. And, and Kevin, Kevin is down with that. But when he comes back after five years, he, he sort of shows her the cold shoulder at some mm-hmm. points because he's different. He's different. And, uh, Dana never really does that to him. He, despite her, she gets whipped, she gets punched in the face, but she never treats her husband in the way that Kevin treats her. And, and that just made me think that black femmes in general are just always, always putting their pain to the side. That's yeah. just a, a cycle over and over. And, and this book shows it really well. And it's not just through Dana, but we learn um, every, every slave in this story has a name. Everybody. Everybody. And that's also, you know, you know, Toni Morrison talks all the time about like, now, come on, did you, did you write this for a black audience or did you write this with the white man sitting over your shoulder? And I think Octavia Butler has never had a white gaze over her shoulder because when you write a book about the pain that you take on as a black woman and that load you have to carry, that burden that you have to carry, everybody's burden, right? You're not writing to a white audience because they're not, they're not trying to hear that shit, in my opinion. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that just because I think be, the way our culture is structured, that the white gaze is always there. I think it's always there, but there's, there's catering to that and pandering to that. And there's like, y'all can look, but I'm going to be me. Do you know what I'm saying? I I do. I I think I don't know if we have created a society yet in which a black person can authentically say, I'm going to be me and be themselves or truest black selves without, without fearing the the white. You mean like financially or something? Yeah. Anything, anything. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, do, is it, is it because do I feel a way because that shit is so sad and depressing <laughs> or do I like genuinely believe I can't believe that I, I have to believe I even like thinking about myself. I, of course I remember the times that I like wanted my white teacher to acknowledge me or whatever. But as I grow older, a lot of that has to be stripped away because I just am who I am. Damn it. And there are obviously like respectability politics. There are, you know, let me be professional. Let me send, I hope you found this email well. I hope it's, I would never know, say no shit like that, right? But I definitely think I, as I grow older, I'm getting to a point where I know I can be my most authentic self right now, especially in, in this house. I, I can be my most authentic self. And then when the damn pandemic hit and I'm home all the time, like I'm just code switching less and less every day because. I'm in my safe space in my comfort zone. But 
I hear what you're saying for sure. Shit is depressing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> but she wrote the fuck out that book. I'm telling you, it was so good, right? Yeah. No, it, it is good. I th- there is, um, there's definitely, you know, this space, our home, right? It's a black space and it's a white space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is this, um, m- moment of, uh, that I'm sure like people of color, they feel that in a white space that this is safe. Right. And you, you know, you feel safe in this white space, but I always know that that can switch so quickly. Uh-huh. Right. And this, this novel does that really well because Dana is going back in time to help her, her ancestor is this white slave owner, but she goes and meets him when he's like a four-year-old kid Mm -hmm. and he's really, you know, he's generally like pretty sweet. She, he has a friend, um, uh, a really close friend, Alice, who's a a freed, um, black girl and they have a close relationship, but you sort of see his, he's grown up in that hate filled, very like violently racist environment. So And that's, you know, that's like the help, right? It's like all of these black women, these like black, like Mamie characters have raised and nursed, you know, titty in mouth, had to nurse these white babies and those white babies grew up being the same people hating them. Yeah. And so you, you just have to make peace with like, you are who, you are destined to be. (laughs) a racist killer and a rapist, which is why, like you're saying, when we were talking about this is Dana's ancestor, ultimately, spoiler, it was written in the 70s, so get it together, but spoiler. So Dana, Dana's great, great, great grandmother or something was raped by this little white kid, Rufus, when he was of age, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And And that is how they are related. And uh, he actually rapes the... Uh, this, this is a really, let me just explain a little bit of the plot summary here. This is really disturbing, but, uh, basically Rufus and this little freed black girl, Alice, they grow up as friends. Rufus falls for Alice, but Alice is married as a freed woman Woman. to To a black man, to a black man who is a slave. And Mm -hmm. so Rufus tries to break that up. And Mm -hmm. ultimately what happens is that, uh, Alice's husband, the, the black slave, Isaac, gets his ears cut off mm. in this really horrific manner. And then uh, Rufus ends up having Alice become a slave again after she had been free at, well, yeah, she was born free to her, her mother. Her mm-hmm. mother was free. And so she, he ends up taking her and bringing mm-hmm. her to his plantation as, as a slave. So right. taking away her freedom. And then Dana, the main character has to basically, cause you know, Rufus's character, I'm really remembering now, Rufus's character is like always getting into trouble. He's like yeah, always he, getting into fights. Yeah. He, he's a drunk. Yeah. And so we grow up looking at this little redhead white kid in Antebellum South. And we grow up seeing Dana always getting him out of these mishaps. Like I remember one time she saved him from being drowned. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then later we learn like, damn, she had to keep his ass alive. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and that's part of it. But she also becomes instrumental to having Rufus eventually rape yeah. Alice. She because had she to needs, facilitate that rape. Yeah, because it, without that rape, she would it, not be here. Yeah, and I think that might be debatable. She goes to Alice and brings Alice to Rufus's room, essentially. Mm. 
And Dana has to wrestle with that. Yeah. That internal conflict of like, I'm basically a madam at this point. Yeah. Well, she, I don't know if she's a a madam. Yeah. That was a bad way of describing it, but you know, she's the middleman to the, the rape still happened. Like he's Mm -hmm. still completely culpable, but like Dana didn't stop it. She encouraged it. Like, you have yeah, to, to, to be responsible now. Yeah. Well, well to to ensure her birth. Yeah, but you don't think that's fucked up? That is why Octavia Butler, Octavia the Great, that's why we stand Octavia. Because she's going to give you descriptive writing, high quality, just rich, complex characters. They're rich. You know what I'm saying? They are. And then... She's going to have you finish that book, turn to your white husband and say, look at you. I don't even want you. I don't want you. I'm looking at you now. I I have none of it. Well. (laughs) uh, But that's what good writing does then. It makes makes you question everything around you, especially as it relates to whiteness. Yeah. One of the, the, I think the, the most disturbing, like, gut-wrenching parts of this book. We didn't get more gut-wrenching after the multiple rapes and the man getting his ears cut off? Yeah, I mean, those are also horrific. But the worst part is that it doesn't end, right? Because when eventually uh, Dana is able to, to get away from Rufus... She ends up losing her arm when she travels back forward in time for the last time. Her arm sort of gets caught in between the two worlds. The two worlds. And she, it like lose, it's like severed off. It's just like a bloody stump. And that's actually how the book starts. And then it ends with that same scene. And I remember hearing a paper where the person's uh, main thesis of the paper was, that that symbol from Octavia Butler is the symbol that slavery in America continues to hold on to black mm. Americans in, in this severing way. Wow. Ooh, Octavia. Yeah. I mean, we, an icon really, which is why we were so pumped, thrilled, excited when we thought we were walking into that with Antebello. Yeah. I mean, and you can understand why we were bamboozled because, like, when have we ever seen every slave movie we've ever seen? It was a, it was the slave, and we've seen many a slave movie, right? Mm-hmm. Love your slave roots, Amistad. We could go on all day, but we've never seen. I think maybe Lee Daniels, the Butler, is the first time I've ever really seen a movie start in slavery and end in like the sixties and seventies and eighties, but. That's truly the only one. And they certainly were not jumping back and forth in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Antebellum mm. uh, okay, I'm gonna, Let me yeah. get my size. Yeah, yeah, me, initial reactions. Yeah. Well, or we let's go. I mean, I think I guess we went into expectations to it, but I, I had very, very high expectations for Same. this. You know, Janelle Monet is a, an amazing actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the trifecta. She's she's a cover girl. She's a singer. I mean, she's 
giving these hoes life and death at the Met Gala with her looks every year. So we, she has set the bar high for herself. Yeah, I was more of thinking her work in Electric Dreams, which... You know, I'm not as familiar with her discography outside of, like, the commercial, like... Cause baby, was a you know, right. You know where I was trying to go with that. You know, no, yeah, for sure. But uh, she has... Let your booty do that yoga. You know, I know that one. Uh-huh, you do know that one. I know it. You sing that one a lot. I do. It's a good... I, I mean... It's a yoga bop. It is a yoga bop. I just mostly know her for her science fiction work. So, for sure. And I, and I thought that's where this was going, sort of a science fiction. Yeah, because it's like, why would y'all choose her if she's like basically a poster child for Afrofuturism? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, let me just. So, that was my expectations. But what, what were your expectations? Well, you know, I loved Kindred. I love. I I rarely see Janelle Monae in something that I don't like live for. Um, even a Pepsi commercial. Even a damn Pepsi. I will buy Janelle Monae's Pepsi. I'm not buying Kendall Jenner's Pepsi. I'm buying Janelle Monae's Pepsi. No, I I felt us needing a pick me up right now. So and we're all at home, and they're charging twenty dollars U.S. currency for it. So I was like, okay, well this is gonna be. Epic because we've already bought our our subscriptions and the whole bit. What, what you know? were sort of your initial thoughts? <sighs> okay, was it? It was aesthetically pleasing to the eye. I can tell that a black person was in charge of hair and makeup. Uh, I can tell that the the cameraman knows how to film black people. It it was like. Beyonce's lemonade on a plantation and that has been on a plantation right so it was beautiful the shots were beautiful all of that but the writing I mean I stretch my hands to thee and shoot a middle finger up because the writing was so bad so also I do want to say that the movie is basically broken down into three separate parts and so part one you were berated with pain, in my opinion. Just pain on pain on pain. You don't know who the people are, but you know that they are slaves. You don't know anybody's names, anybody's narratives, and you're just in pain. Yeah, so I think... Part two, that writing, Ben. It, it was... It was, You know that writing was subpar. It was bad. But, but let me just go in with a, just a brief summary of part one. So mm-hmm. part one, you are thrown into this plantation with Confederate soldiers walking around. And it's giving you uh, a vibe that this is... Yeah. The Civil War is happening, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you see uh, Janelle Monet, who... Um, is held on horseback being brought back uh, mm-hmm. from running away. And you mm-hmm. also see a, a black man and a black woman who also seem to be brought back from trying to escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah, They're clearly married and the soldiers right. and the people that are running the plantation are splitting them apart. Exactly. And so it looks like they've just ended a chase down of some runaway slaves. And, uh, Janelle Monet's character is, uh, we very quickly see her beaten, raped, and forced to, um, we see her branded, branded as well, and, and forced to say her name. Um, she's yeah, supposed her to, her new slave name. Her, yeah, she's supposed to say, uh, her slave name. 
And the implication is that uh, she's maybe been recently, you know, ter- captured, turned into a slave. And we find out her name is Eden. So that's sort of the first... Or her slave name is her, Eden. Her, her slave name is Eden. And, uh, and then the other, there's another couple that assumedly also ran away. And the woman is very brutally killed and, mm-hmm. like, dragged on yeah. a horse. It, it feels like torture porn. It's torture. It's, I mean, because, again, we have seen so many just painful images of slavery. So to open, you know, and I, and I, I appreciate a strong visceral opener. Um, but there needs to be some, something different because we've seen it all. And Ben, I'm going to tell you this. I'm not sure if you've seen this, you know, you're going to be with me some years. So we, we got many a black movie to watch, but one of the most poignant parts of Roots is Kunta Kinte is, you know, the main character and his slave owner is trying to uh, change his name to Toby. And so there's this huge cathartic scene where he is just being beaten and tortured and all the things. And he's like, say your name. And he's like, it's Kunta Kinte every single time, you know? So that was a big part of that. So I remember watching this scene with Janelle Monae and it was like, they were trying to recreate that, but it's like, but we have seen Kunta Kinte since his birth, since his capture, since he was transported with the transatlantic slave trade. And you're opening a scene beating Janelle Monae and we don't know, and we are right away being forced to learn her slave name. Um, so it just felt a little misplaced. I, I know that they were trying to be effective, but it was a lot of, it was very forced mm-hmm. for me. I just think we're at a point in cinema and books that like, you're going to have to do more than make something look beautiful and have an all-star cast and have, you know, high quality lace fronts and eyelashes it it just takes more than that the writing has to be there you know agreed you want to talk a little bit more about the plot a woman a younger woman this is still in part one right this is still in part one and uh when that there's a new shipment of slaves who are brought in and when that one specific younger woman is brought in she recognizes Janelle Monet's character. And we're not really sure what she recognizes about her because at this plantation, you are not allowed to speak to other slaves. Everything is done in silence. You can't even sing when you're picking Unless you're like requested. Unless you're requested. And there's also the the madam of the house, who's played by Jenna Malone, who I don't even remember her name. I, you know, the Elizabeth, crazy part is, maybe. I, no one had a name. Janelle Monet had two names, and I promise you, Ben, no other characters had a name. I don't know how they did the script. It must have said black person one, two, three. It must have said light-skinned black person versus dark-skinned black person, because there were no names. The white people didn't have names. Her husband didn't have a name. I don't know... It's like, who was who when the credits were... Anyway, I typically loved Jenna Malone. I loved her in Hunger Games. I loved her in Stepmother. I loved her in Saved. So I was here for her being the villain. I wish I knew who she was. Yeah, so she is the madam of the house, and she has a terrible accent. 
And she is actually the only one who has an accent. Only <laughs> Because every other slave on the plantation, when we hear a snippet of words from them, it is not with a southern accent. So you are getting the implication something weird is going on here, right? Mm -hmm. That's part one, basically. And there is a cut scene to part two where Janelle Monet is being visited by the Confederate general of this Confederate outfit on this plantation. The Confederate general visits her, rapes her, and then you hear a cell phone ring and we're cut into part two where Janelle Monet wakes up in 2018 and she is a writer. She's sort of a kid. She's like, I'm every woman. She's, she's a mom. She does yoga. She drinks iced coffees. She's also a writer. She debates. Mm -hmm. And she is this Kimberly Crenshaw character who, who wrote on intersectionality. And that's sort of how they're making her. She is this academic who debates people on a Fox News type of channel. And she... Yeah, she's kind of like a Brittany Packnett Cunningham character. Mm -hmm. And she, in that scene, we see her... Uh, with her family and she's going to go on this book tour and and that sort of is the the summary of mm -hmm. plot two or that she's very successful mm -hmm. the whole bit she's she's starting the movement she's impacting and this is where the the writing gets really really terrible horrific uh there are lines about vegan pancakes now you know what i like that line like, the husband's like, are we vegan this week? Like, that was kind of funny. That kind of sets it in the millennial. But speaking of funny, Gabori Sidibe, you know, we all know her from Precious. She saved the damn movie. I think it got, like, 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. She bumped it up 10% because she was the comedic relief from start to finish for me. Yeah, Gabori uh, Sidibe is Janelle Monae's... Yeah, like her bestie. Her bestie. But Janelle Monae's character now is no longer Eden it's Veronica Veronica mm -hmm. and and let me just explain we don't know Precious's name as well yeah. I just want to be clear so you'll you'll likely find yourself calling her Precious because who has names no one the, her name is Bridget they mention it really really briefly but it's you only know that because you're looking at the cast yeah, right now but I do remember they mention it briefly however this cut from this plantation to modern day is so pathetic it's and bad. so it's not smooth, disorienting, and uh, you're you're still questioning what the heck is going on. However, I think at this point, I started to realize because on this plantation, nobody has accents. There's a character with mm -hmm. a nose ring. Yeah, that we we noticed that right away. There was a septum piercing. And um, one of the characters' noses on the plantation. And I was like, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And then when we flip to present day, there's a Skype phone call, which we're not really given a reason why there's a Skype phone call. But no it's, motive. It's weird. It Basically, Jenna Malone's character, who we first see in the first part as this, of the madam of the plantation, is requesting Janelle Monet's new character... Veronica, the writer, to come and be 
uh, to work for them. She's a headhunter. And that, I mean, that I think was the pinnacle. That, that was the most poorly written scene between a black woman and a white girl, a white woman for me. That's when I knew the writing was very, very bad because she was so ominous. Jenna Malone's character, she was like, well, I'm, hi, darling. I'm calling because I'm interested in, you know, hanging out with black women. It, it, it basically was that. It was so bizarre. And any black woman who has ever received a call like that, where you sense some performative bullshit, it's a no-go. And Janelle Monet was like, interesting. Who do you work for? Like, it was just, it was cringeworthy. Yeah, it was very unclear. It was very unclear. It was unclear. She would have not stayed on the phone with her that long. And she was like, oh, I see you have a daughter in the back of your photo. And it was like, so now you're looking at my house. You're looking at my children. And Janelle Monet's character is still just like skeptical, but not to the point of like, girl, bye. Yeah. So we, we get a vision of Janelle and Monet's family. They're a happy family. Janelle Monet goes on this book talk after the book talk where she gives this really, really pathetic summary of intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Again, bad writing. It's, it's so bad. It, it is a complete bastardization of the idea. After that, she go Janelle Monet's character, uh, uh, this book tour goes, drinks out with her friends, and then she is captured. The big twist, she is captured and brought to this plantation in modern day, which is sort of, if you would think of it as a West world. Mm-hmm. A Civil War reenactment, but yeah. with actual slaves. You know, in some places they still do Civil War reenactments. Oh, yeah. So that so that was the, the big debate for us. It's like, could they get away with this? Yeah. And I think, yes, sadly. I know that sounds crazy, but... Uh, and that was the part we actually liked about the movie. So The realism there. The, yeah, the the realism of that was, was pretty authentic, ex- especially when you consider the thousands of Black people who go missing every year. And Exactly. Yeah, so that wasn't awful, but uh, the transition... I mean, it's awful. I mean, ben, yeah, it awful. was awful. It was awful. But Sounds of black people I think the idea is awful. The main, yes, but but they did the main they, I, the main idea isn't um, isn't a terrible story idea, especially when you consider all the Confederate flags and statues and and things that are still very very prevalent in the South. Well, that's the thing about it, Ben. It I've never seen a good story told poorly well yes i have but typically we see this isn't a story worth telling this isn't that great of a story it was just a it was a good story poorly told right yeah and it what so it had nothing to do with time travel so that was very very disappointed and it had to do with i guess more of m night Shyamalan's or westworld without westworld slavery edition yeah and if we're skipping over lots of plot points, it's because yeah. there wasn't a whole lot there of plot. There wasn't a lot of plot. Even main characters didn't really make any sense. Like Jenna Malone's character, I don't even 
know what we her don't deal know was who, what, <laughs> or why she was the madam of the house. Oh, oh, now I remember. She's the only woman in this that world. She as well. is. She's the daughter of the general. Who? Who, who is knows? The ending, the last third of the movie, Janelle Monet mm-hmm. finds a phone on the plantation. Yeah, she's been hatching this plan that has taken her all of six weeks. You know, meanwhile, people are dying. People are, I mean, you know, it does take a while, obviously, to plan your escape if you've been captured. But it is solely Janelle Monet. This is where I got the most disappointed. It is solely Janelle Monet who hatches this plan and pulls it off. And that is so unfair to all of these other actors, characters, other slaves on this plantation because it was just like a one woman show and she was the only one that got any of that glory in a way. And I feel like there are just so many, when we talk about like black stories and African-American stories, there's just, it's the community is so rich. Mm -hmm. You need that community. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a little bit of that because she has the original black man, Eli, that she attempted to escape with in yeah. the first third of the movie. Yes. They try she to had help, but when we're, I don't know. It just, it was, I'm not here for it. Oh, I, also, we, we don't get any, a, of, any of Eli's backstory. We she, don't get any. She we calls get, him a professor at one point. She's like, I miss you, professor. I was like, why? This, there's so many holes and gaps missing. But thank you for the beautiful lighting. Like, that's just not enough. There is... Ooh, I'm they, getting mad all over again. There's a branding that goes on. There's a symbol that these Confederate soldiers have and wear on them. Mm-hmm. So it seems that they're trying to create this huge group of white supremacists who are trying to bring back the Confederacy. Truly accurate. Yeah. Truly accurate. We can, and we can see that. They're that's trying... Realistic. Yeah, I think the directors are trying to create a more of uh, an organized, specific structure in which there is a new government forming and they have this little symbol, but we don't ever get their names and we don't get any explanation of the symbol. And there was time. It was only an hour and 45 minutes. There was time to tell a little bit more story and and add some more depth to these characters. Mm -hmm. So the the ending, Janelle Monae, Ends up killing the man who has been raping her, mm-hmm. burning him. Mm, now, now that was epic. Yeah, that putting a bunch of characters in the furnace as well. That was great. Pretending that the general is in there and needs help. It didn't make any sense. That didn't make any sense. She gets on a horse. She runs away from the plantation, and then Jenna Malone shows up, also riding a horse, chasing after her. Oh, we didn't tell you. Janelle Monae, it, it, she she is a freaking unicorn. So she's also this powerful black activist and an equestrian. Oh yeah, rider. She's like won awards there. So so they want you to know, like, well, it makes sense that she can ride a horse because she won these awards over here. Yeah, there's a very short scene in the second part of the movie showing her accolades in mm-hmm. her house and her horse and we're, and we're supposed to pick up that she's this great mm-hmm. writer and they they try to bring that point home they're like hey audience one plus one is two and we will remind you of that time and time again we're like we get it we're, we're looking for something deeper right so she rides away 
and Jenna Malone chases after her. And there's this big info dump saying that Jenna Malone's father is the general and wanted oh, to yeah, choose. Oh yeah, Jenna Malone has a whole monologue. And, which <laughs> explains parts. Nothing? Explains everything. nothing. You know, it's like watching a comedian bomb. It's, I, I want you to win. I but really now we're all just win. uncomfortable. We needed a win in the year 2020. There are these close-up slow-motion shots that are pretty cool. For example, once we realize we're in modern day, there are planes flying over the plantation. Mm-hmm. There's a cool scene where Je- you know Janelle Monae walks away with the the, the fire flame. Sit, but the they, flame I mean, I think burning. half of the budget was spent in slow-mo editing and reels because. The, the part of the, being, you know, it's true. The part of the movie where she was, you know, riding the horse sort of like Braveheart style. She was in slow-mo damn near 20 minutes. The, the last 20 minutes of the movie, Janelle Monae is in slow motion, which she's beautiful. She, she's, she's gorgeous. She's a strong figure. If you would like to watch a black woman on horseback in slow-mo, like go off, eat your heart out. Cause that's what you're going to get. But it ultimately just amounted to nothing. Great camera though. Yeah, and I think they were they were trying. There's this this quote in the beginning from William Faulkner that says, "The past isn't dead; it isn't even past." And that begins mm-hmm. the movie with this very, very scary violin music and very mm-hmm. slow one shot of the whole plantation. That was very cool. The beginning part oh, of was course. really great. The opener that lasted thirty minutes. It was was it, it was effective at first, and then you know in the with, second. It was just like bacon wrapped pain. It's pain on pain on pain. Don't eat before you see this film because the first 30 minutes is just hell on earth. Yeah. So, but, but if you miss, if you come a minute late and you miss the title card, <laughs> the past isn't dead. It isn't even past. Don't worry because in the second part, they're going to remind you again. Janelle Monet's best friend who is white, uh, the other quote, girl, the, the other girl, white woman who is nameless, gives you that quote again. The past so much. They said time so much. They said future. They said tomorrow. Don't look back, girl. Live it in the past. Like they really leaned into those words. Like they wanted you to get it. They lobbed it in there, and we're just kind of like, but we got it. Add some actual writing. We get it. I. Kn- and that sigh, <laughs> that sigh is how I feel about the whole shit. Also, the general is actually a a U.S. senator. Did you get that? No. In real life, he's supposed to be a U.S. senator? Yeah. Like, in the movie, he's supposed to be U.S. Yeah, senator? And no, it, no one got that. Let's talk about some things. Let's talk about some more things that we did like, which was... The makeup and hair. The makeup and hair. <laughs> the camera. There was this creepy scene where there is this little white girl. I know. Who a nice ru- little shining, the shining moment. Yeah, there's a shining moment where in the second part. I don't think you should call her a nice little white girl. It was creepy. Yeah. I, this movie is not scary, though. I want to say that. There's nothing scary about this movie. No. It's incredibly predictable. It's scary how disappointing it is, but. Yeah. Oof. But if you want a couple of like laughs, Gabori Sinebe, I think, is the reason to watch the film. Yeah. Would I pay another $20 for it? Absolutely not. Well, we paid for it, so people listening wouldn't have to. Right. 
uh, I I did in I did enjoy you reaching. Find it. What do you enjoy? Come on. I gotta look through my notes. Spit it out. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed laughing at the terrible writing. Um, <laughs> oh, we we did miss this part where it, I forgot to mention. There's a the young woman who's brought on. I don't remember her name, but in the first part, she's this young black woman who recognizes Janelle's Monet's character. She ends up getting beaten to a point in which uh, she loses her baby. Oh yes. Right, and that sort of sets Janelle Monet off to try. Because now we know she's a mom, and she's yeah. fired up. Yeah, and she she's ready to to make her second escape. That's sort of the turning point for her to make her second escape. However, uh, that you know, going back to a book that we did enjoy talking about in Kindred, Kindred, there is a scene where a character is a, a woman, a pregnant woman, is beaten until her baby drops out of her. Mm. And th- that uh, Kevin and, and Kindred witnesses that. It's very traumatizing for him. Mm-hmm. And the, a major part of, a huge problem of this is that there's these terrible, awful, vile things that happen and no really deep look at the trauma that's, that it's causing. Because, one, they have to... I guess plot wise, they have to hide that they their their pain because they are slaves. As you know, of the course. people who are ex- ex- exploring this. But in Kindred, you do feel even the slaves uh, who experience this trauma. They do express moments mm-hmm. of frustration and anger and sadness, despite having to hide that mm-hmm. around their white slave owners. But yeah. in this. In this story, at this... More white people had voices in this movie. Yeah, because sure. the plantation, you had to stay quiet. I know, but you can still have moments where characters are interacting. Right. And, and show the consequences there. But, like, there were so many actors that just had to serve face the whole time. I'm going to talk about some th- two things that made me laugh. Um, Gabori Sidibe and her hotivities. You remember oh, when she yeah. just kept talking about, we're trying to get into some hotivities today. And I was just yeah. like, this is actually perfect. I love her. Do I want to keep watching this movie? No. But do I want to go get a cocktail with her? Absolutely. Secondly, um, black people lean in because this was just horrible. So there's a scene where Janelle Monet is about to plan her escape. And she does what? She reaches for some moisturizer and greases her scalp. You know that that Bronner Brothers? Mm-hmm. There's like this can of like, you know, hair moisturizer, which all black people know what that can is. But when you write for a white audience and you have to show Janelle Monet greasing her scalp before, like that's the only reason why you did that. Like, <laughs> like who, who the fuck greases their scalp before they free from slavery? How is that important right now? It's not important. You just want white people to know, like, just just so you know, white people, this is oil sheen. It could have been better. Who, who cared what it was? But when she was about to plan her escape and grease her scalp, I cackled. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I, I also didn't care about her escape. Throughout the film, you see her trying to damn, walk on like these... Damn, it's like that, Ben. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
I mean, she's trying. Damn, you didn't care about her. It's great. She's yeah. What she's, are you really saying right now? So basically, the every night the she's visited by this general who rapes her, who turns out to be this U.S. senator, mm. and she it practices getting up and walking on uncreaky floorboards yeah, and opening the door. She's planning the escape, but we just yeah. And it's supposed to be this this whole thing throughout the entire film that she uh, can sort of do these gymnastics yoga flips yeah to like everything all the dots had to connect she couldn't just be like a black woman who enjoys yoga it's like no she has a private yoga instructor and because she has a private yoga instructor she was able to escape slavery why because she's flexible yeah and in part in part two we get this sense that she is very well uh well researched and she you know she does yoga and she has a great relationship with her husband. They should. They might as well have just put that let your booty do that yoga clip in there. Because things like that make me think like, wow, if only slaves had been practicing yoga. Wow. More people would have escaped slavery. You know, I'll never forget one time I was in high school and it was during Hurricane Katrina because that happened in 2005. And this white girl I was in class with who was on the swim team as we're watching footage of people drowning says that's why it should be like mandatory that everyone knows how to swim. She said that. I said, excuse me. She was like, well, it's important that people know how to swim in case of these emergencies, but swim. You think swimming is the, if, if George Bush just gave people swim lessons, then this whole thing wouldn't have happened. I almost walked out the classroom. And that's for me was what that whole yoga scene was about. So she just did a front walkover. I guess Harriet Tubman could never. She would have freed so many more had she known how to do wheel pose. Well, Ben, I think it's time for us to get on out of here. Let's wrap up the show. Actually, let's warp up the show. You get it? Science oh fiction? Like warp speed? Do you understand what I'm trying to Thank I tried you. to do something there. Thank you, Amber. In conclusion, Antebellum takes a relevant and horrifying concept and fails. Fails in plot, fails Janelle Monet. Instead, go read Kindred, wear a mask, and let your booty do that yoga. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to the Sci-Fi Sci episode one. Let us know what you thought of Antebellum. I don't know. Maybe you loved it. Maybe you like greasing your scalp before a fight. It's you. Do you. Next week, episode two, we will be watching The Old Guard, directed by the fabulous Gina Prince Blackwood, who has brought us favorites like The Secret Life of Bees, Beyond the Lights, and also Love and Basketball. Who knew? We stand this queen. So be sure to watch The Old Guard on Netflix and tune in for another episode. Namaste, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.